Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Welcome again to a Penny for Your Thoughts, second day of August of the year 2022 at 9.06 and a chance of uh, rain, I guess, humid. We had uh, some rain, I guess, to our south. If you go uh, south, uh, maybe Douglas, Coles, into Effingham in that area. Uh, Certainly there's been some rain down there based on the radar is what I'm looking at. So uh, hopefully that's helping out. Uh, And uh, just kind of overcast right now. It's supposed to be humid today and a high of 90 in our forecast, up to 91 tomorrow. So a little warmer this week than it was last week. Many for your thoughts today, 217-356-9397. Text line at 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. For both hours today, Appellate Justice Robert Steigman joins us, as he does periodically. So we'll have both hours with the judge here uh, today. Tomorrow we've got... uh, A little, uh, well, not a little, it's a big event, a big thing happening, Unity for Ukraine. We'll explain that a little more tomorrow. Chris Kester with the City of Champaign on road construction. So if you have some questions for him on Thursday, and then Jim Dye joins me in the second hour, part of a two-hour open line on Friday. And then we're getting close to football here in just a few weeks. All right, one of our sponsors is the Illini Union Bookstore. They supply you with all the officially licensed Illinois souvenirs, gift and apparel, hoodies, sweatshirts, athletic tees, polo shirts, jackets, hats, you name it, all the big names, Nike, Champion League, Legacy, uh, so forth and so on. Alumni gifts and apparel, maybe you graduated from a specific school or you're with a specific school, Geese College of Business or Granger or College of Engineering, whatever the case may be. They employ a lot of students every semester. They'll be located again right in the heart of campus down at the corner of Wright and Daniel in Champaign. Check them out on social media, Facebook, facebook.com slash Illini Union Bookstore, Instagram at Illini Union Bookstore. All right, questions for the judge today. You can uh, bring those to the table. He always has a big stack of stuff as well. It's 9.09, and we'll start with appellate judge Robert Steigman, after the break, on Penny for Your Thoughts. Back on a Penny for Your Thoughts, 9-12, under overcast skies. It's kind of dark out there at the moment. But bright and sunny inside here with uh, Justice Robert Steigman with us, uh, as he does from time to time. And he is ready for the football season. 
I sure am. Yeah. I, <clears throat> looking forward to it. And what year was this again? This is my 62nd continuous year as a football season ticket holder starting in 1961. I think that may be the indoor record. Uh, and my wife Sherry is, I think, second because she started in 1962 as a continuous uh, season ticket football holder. And um, mm. wow. it's, it's fun and exciting. <clears throat> I uh, there have been some down times, but there sure have been some exciting times. And uh, one of them was the 1964 Rose Bowl that I was out there as an 18 year old kid and Isn't that uh, something? watching Dick Butkus and Jim Grabowski. And uh, <laughs> it it's college sports are really great fun. They are. So are you on the east side? <clears throat> yes, okay. I've always yeah. been on the east side yeah. and uh, <clears throat> remain on the east side. And for many years, probably too many years, we were in the east balcony. And uh, as we got older, the especially the heat and uh, no shade really got bothersome. So uh, we're now uh, on the uh, east side, but we're under the overhang, so we're not going to be mm. in the weather. By the way, they've <laughs> renovated the east side. Well, I the, hope in, so. In the, in the <laughs> great east hall, if you will. Yeah. It, it, it really, I was in there the other day. Oh, really? And it's really, I mean, the new you know, floor's been polished and windows have been opened up. And, I mean, it's... Uh, well, that's it, nice. It looks really nice. So I'm looking a, forward to it. They've done a good job with that. All right, uh, 914. Uh, the other one to ask you about is uh, the 4th and the 5th right. appellate. Mm-hmm. Well, where, the, where, where are you now? The, uh, <laughs> the legislature changed our districts dramatically. So uh, the 4th district, which was a slice across central Illinois, is no longer just a slice across central Illinois. 30 counties essentially from uh, Quincy to Danville up as far north as um, Pontiac and Bloomington and uh, uh, as far south as Clark County. And um, uh, that was pretty much it. And But <clears throat> now we have, we've gone from 30 counties to 41. And now we go from uh, as far south as Jerseyville, which is like 40 miles from um, St. Louis, to Rockford. Hmm. So we Sounds have, like a congressional district. It's it's bigger. It's uh <clears throat> It's it's an enormous district, and uh, because we have uh, so many new counties, our workload has increased. Uh, the way it works is if whoever loses a case at the trial level uh, in any of these 41 counties has a right to appeal if he or she wishes to take an appeal to the appellate court. That now comes to us. <clears throat> so our uh, workload, the number of appeals filed with us has literally doubled. And uh, as a result, we uh, the Supreme Court of Illinois is now shuffling judges to try to deal with this because the second district caseload is way down. So we're getting some judges from there. <clears throat> uh, a woman, uh, Catherine Zinoff, who's a longtime judge from Rockford, which is now in the fourth district, has been assigned to us. And <clears throat> she's really a very uh, sharp and pleasant person, very experienced we have some new judge from Rockford who's also going to be joining our court uh, from the trial court. So, uh, and, and plus, we lost Lisa Holder White. Uh, Rita Garman, who is the longest serving judge in the state of Illinois, retired after 47 years, having most recently served on the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court appointed our colleague Lisa Holder White, who had mm. been in the 4th District uh, for 10 years, uh, maybe even longer. I forget the actual number who's a terrific person, a terrific judge. I'm so pleased for Lisa. I know her well. And she's now in the Supreme Court. 
And I'm sure she's going to do a wonderful job there. <clears throat> but then we had to fill that vacancy, too. Hmm. So it's exciting. T- it's very odd, Brian, because um, few institutions are as stable as the judicial one. Uh, we, we, yeah. You know, I've been involved in it for a long time, and nothing like this has ever happened. But to the credit of the Illinois Supreme Court, they're handling this very well and giving us good people. And the last thing I want to mention is <clears throat> I've often said – I've often said that the appellate court is really the best job in the world. I'm a blessed guy to have it. But in addition to that blessing, I have wonderful colleagues. They're terrific uh, men and women. They're sharp, pleasant. Uh, We don't always agree, but we always uh, disagree agreeably with respect. Mm -hmm. And um, it makes the job, uh, the best job in the world, even better. 217-356-9397, 217-356-9397, text line at 217-351-5357, and you can email us, talk at wdws.com. I know you have a stack of stuff. We do have a caller sure. that is waiting here, and Edmund is with us. How are you doing, Edmund? Oh, okay. Basically, I have uh, three questions regarding the January 6th uh, you know, riots. One is uh, trespassing. You know, you get a situation where you know somebody might, you know, how how it's uh, defined. I know you get state law versus federal and everything. Basically, you know, just being on somebody's uh, property that you have no real uh, reason for or is it uh, malicious intent. Uh, the second, uh, involving warning, the, is the authorities um, required to give you a warning if, like, regarding the trespassing and, you know, there was a, the riot act that was in the early 1700s or something, if they have to, you know, actually warn a person that, like, in regards you know, the trespassing or some other offense, give them a chance to leave. And the third is regarding accessory. Uh, there was that man who got the seven-year sentence uh, the other day. He was a member of some group. Of course, he was engaged in, in you know, violence. But if you get a situation where somebody might be a part of a group and somebody in that group, you know, committed an act of violence, could just being part of that group be considered an accessory or does, you know, uh, more... Um, greater involvement has to be uh, be shown or something for them to be considered uh, charged with an accessory. So those are my three questions for the judge. Okay. Well, okay. they're all excellent questions. I'll try to go through them as quickly as I can. First, you're right. Trespassing is, a, as a general concept, I think people know what it means. That means you're, you're in some place where you're not authorized to be and you either have been told or there's signs alerting you to the fact that you're not authorized to be there. Um, There are specific state statutes or federal statutes which governing it. Uh, I'm not sure how the precise language, of course, goes. But what makes it interesting uh, with regard to trespassing, uh, for instance, in a public building like the Capitol, is um, some portions of it are clearly open to the public and you can attend, and other portions are not. Uh, leaving aside the riotous situation of January 6th, it's it's hard to know. For instance, we've all been in public buildings where you walk in, uh, in a courthouse, for instance, and it says, no public access beyond this line, mm-hmm. uh, telling you uh, that uh, the public can generally walk through this building or maybe even a museum, but you can't go into this particular area. So uh, it it really depends upon the precise location and uh, what people were told or what they knew or what the signage was up. And uh, <clears throat> with regard to uh, accessories, this this is uh, a, 
the concept of criminal accountability, uh, that uh, someone can be accountable for the criminal behavior of another, using Illinois law as an example, if uh, before or during the commission of the offense, with the intent to aid in the commission of the offense, the third person does something to assist the person who is going to commit the offense. And uh, it might even include, uh, depending upon the particular circumstances, help in planning. In other words, if I uh, plan with Joe Smith uh, how to commit an armed robbery and I provide him with details and uh, uh, assistance on how to go about it and a plan of where to commit the robbery, that might be enough if Joe Smith commits the robbery to hold me accountable, assuming this could be proved by various evidence, that uh, I was accountable for his criminal behavior, even though I was nowhere near the scene myself. I've had several criminal cases involving people who were accomplices held accountable for criminal behavior when they weren't even present at uh, that time. Another example, which is easier, of course, is uh, the pickup driver for an armed robbery. You uh, drive a car, drop someone off who runs into a store, holds it up, the guy comes back out and jumps into the car. Well, no one would have any trouble viewing that fellow as accountable for the armed robbery, even though he was nowhere uh, in the store when the armed robbery was committed. Okay. Anything I, else, Edmund? Uh, no, that's okay. I appreciate the, uh, the, uh, sure. the answers. Uh, okay. Bye. All right. Thank you. We appreciate it. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We talked about January sixth quite a bit, and the hearings continue on all that. Right. Uh, and there's been talk that okay, they're going to send something to Merritt Garland, the Attorney General, that he can use to charge former President Trump with. But I keep thinking, okay, charge him with what? Well, and so what? Apparently, can they put t- apparently, this is what it would be about that he was accountable. I guess this is. The musing on MSNBC. Uh, He was accountable, helped in the planning. He urged people to commit this crime. Therefore, there's some kind of federal accountability statute. Uh, I. uh, That's hard to prove, isn't it? Well, it's hard to prove. It's not. It's 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 a very difficult concept. Uh, And um, the important thing about this, by the way, and it's something I emphasized the last time, which the mainstream media doesn't seem to have any understanding of. The Department of Justice, in investigating whether any criminal activity concerning January 6th uh, was committed by anyone, uh, President Trump or anyone else, doesn't need and doesn't need to pay any attention to the January 6th hearing. There is this notion, I'm sure you've read it as I have, and it just betrays either how ignorant or malicious the people in the mainstream media are to say this, that the, it's, it will be important what the January 6th committee findings are and their reference to the Department of Justice on what they conclude and their suggestion, for instance, that Trump was responsible and should be held criminally liable. That's all nonsense. The Department of Justice, uh, independently, entirely independently of Congress, can uh, investigate whatever they want. If they think criminal activity was involved in January 6th by anyone, they can investigate that person. <clears throat> they have grand jury powers. They have far more powers than the committee, uh, and uh, the, they can bring a charge. The notion that we have to wait 
gee, what are they going to say? Are they going to come up with a recommendation of criminal charges, which is somehow going to then unleash the Department of Justice, is just silly mm. and stupid. Okay. So he doesn't need to wait on them. No. No. And but do you think they're trying to appeal to him to say do something? Well, now that politically <laughs> is no doubt the case. Yeah. But the mainstream media is reporting this as if this were a necessary, important threshold uh, to be taken in this matter, that they have to wait and see. <clears throat> the Department of Justice has to wait and see what Congress comes up with, and it's just silly. All right, 925 at DWS. Let me get another break in. We'll get to the judge's stack of stuff. Got some more questions for the judge as well. Here at 925 on a penny for your thoughts. All right, welcome back on a penny for your thoughts. Good to have you with us here as we move along on uh, this overcast. Very dark. Man, did it get dark here in the last. I don't know if any rain's falling or not, but, uh, boy, it got uh, extremely dark here in the last few minutes. Just as Robert Steigman is with us on a penny for your thoughts. If you uh, need a great meal today, go to the Beef House, exit 4 in Covington, Indiana. Say hi to Bob and Bonnie Wright, and uh, you can certainly um, pick from a great buffet list. They've got uh, great buffet items for you. Also, of course, there's the uh, menu, which is a huge menu. Everything you can imagine is in there. There's some things uh, for kids as well you can look at. But if you want just a sandwich, if you want a full entree, if you want fried chicken, if you want pork, if you want seafood, uh, you name it, it's in there. So uh, check it out at the Beef House, Exit 4 in Covington, Indiana, one of our great and longtime sponsors. Check out beefhouserules.com for information on all of the shows that are happening at the Beef House Dinner Theater. Okay, uh, a couple of things left over here from January 6th. So the judge thinks it's okay to overthrow our government, question mark. (laughs) No. I don't think anybody's in favor of that. Uh, Let's see here. So the mere fact Capitol doors were locked was not enough for trespass. Signs no trespassing means you were needed. No, they might very well be. I, 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 as I say, uh, it's it's a fact-intensive matter. Uh, if uh, people are going through locked doors in public buildings, it's a sign that this is not an area they're permitted. And uh, perhaps the judge could explain the law of conspiracy in addition to criminal accountability. Well, that sounds technical. It's, it's very technical. I would say they're very close. Uh, Conspiracy is uh, very similar, that if you conspire with someone to commit a crime and then you engage in activities and furtherance of it. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's very similar to the whole law of accountability. And other than uh, judges, lawyers, and professors, I don't know that anyone would be interested in the distinction. Okay, 938 at DWS. Mm-hmm. What's next on your, yes, on your I, docket I sheet have, here? Uh, <clears throat> going back to a discussion had when I was last on the air of um, the New York Bruin case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Second Amendment decision <clears throat> by the Supreme Court in which uh, they threw out this uh, restriction uh, on the law that said um, to get a concealed carry license in New York, you had to uh, show the need for it, so that you had some need that was somehow important or pressing uh, in order to carry a gun. And uh, it was thrown out 6-3, and writing for the majority was Justice Clarence Thomas. 
And I wanted to mention some part of that, uh, which I don't think got much coverage, and then also talk about how some black lawyer groups viewed this decision, because this is, again, some coverage Mm -hmm. I don't think was out. Uh, Justice Thomas wrote this, We know of no other constitutional right that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. That is not how the First Amendment works when it comes to unpopular speech or the free exercise of religion. It is not how the Sixth Amendment works when it comes to a defendant's right to confront the witnesses against them, and is not how the Second Amendment works when it comes to public carry for self-defense. After this decision came out, there were several black organizations and organizations of black lawyers who had this to say about New York guns laws. By the way, so you know, <clears throat> there were large number of people who applied for concealed carry who were turned down because they couldn't show a specific mm-hmm. need. And uh, <clears throat> this is what they wrote. New York, this black attorneys of legal aid and public defenders offices all joined this statement. New York enacted its firearm licensing requirement in the early 20th century to prevent immigrants and people of color from possessing guns. Since its enactment, the law has justified discriminatory policing and criminalization of black and brown people living in urban, low-income communities. Over 90% of the people prosecuted for unlicensed gun possession in New York City are black and brown. These are the people impacted by New York's discriminatory discriminatory gun licensing scheme, which has fueled the criminalization and incarceration of young New Yorkers of colors. And they concluded, gun control is and always has been inarguably systemically racist. It has never been a cure for violence, say these black lawyers. And in fact, this goes back to a point I've tried to make repeatedly, that gun control in its roots is racist. Gun control started in the Jim Crow South when, of course, this was all, everyone in the Jim Crow South were all Democrat elected officials. There were no Republicans by definitions. By the way, entirely through the 1950s, Bull Connor, uh, the Democrat uh, representative uh, at the um, 1960 Democrat National Convention, he was the epitome of the vicious racist cop in the city of uh, Birmingham, I believe it was. In any event, this was designed to get guns out of the hands of black folks who were trying to defend themselves from the Ku Klux Klan and other persons like this. Uh, And it's the story about Condoleezza Rice, who grew up in Atlanta at the time when there were these church bombings. And she talks about how her family had people with guns sitting on the porches in their neighborhoods to protect them. And, um, Mm. you know, people, it's very interesting how it's the left that talks about we need gun control. But, you know, I've criticized this notion of systemic racism. And I said, what is the example of that? Perhaps the best example of that that still lingers, by the way, is gun control, which was designed and continued to keep guns out of the hands of black people. The last thing to mention on this, by the way, and, and this is one more aspect of it, the notion of in Illinois and in New York, you can't have a concealed weapon on public transit. So if you're a cleaning woman who goes downtown in the evening to clean the offices of all these lawyers and folks, 
and you're going back to the south side of the subway at night, you can't have a gun for your own protection, even if when you get off the subway you have to walk five blocks, maybe through Englewood or other communities where all this shooting has occurred. And my question is, why not? Why aren't you permitted to do that? Because it's the old story of magical thinking, like the front door here at the WDWS studio. You know, we have a sign that says, no guns permitted. Well, that was no guns permitted at all these malls where the shootings have occurred as well. See, the magical thinking is someone who's inclined to come in and murder people will be deterred because they see a sign that says, you can't come in with a gun. I, I guess you can't break the law. I mean, this is really crazy stuff. So the criminals have knives and guns on the subway, but the honest folk who might need this for their own self-protection don't. And, of course, who's pushing these? It's all the white liberals who they're not in any danger. They're the lawyers who have the offices downtown that these poor ladies are coming up to clean. My point is that uh, if someone passes concealed carry laws to background check, knows how to use a gun, knows how they can operate, will use them safely. I went through it all. I, I know how this works. Uh, you should be permitted to carry a gun, particularly on public transit, because that's where things, as we see in New York City, in Chicago as well, that's where things are so dangerous. Why is, why is the ridership down so much? Because people are afraid. Maybe if they had a gun to protect themselves, it would be better. And that's what I'm suggesting it should be. All right, 944 with Justice Robert Steigman. And we go to the phones. Marsha's with us. Hi, Marsha. Hi. <clears throat> I only have one question for the judge. And that is why, why weren't the 20,000 National Guard used on January 6th? They were available. They could have, why weren't they used? Well, I, of course, I have no idea. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know why. Um, I think it was not a good day for the executive branch of government. It was not a good day for President Trump. I don't think he handled it well. I don't think the police handled it well. Um, I, I don't understand all of this stuff. Uh, it was something that was foreseeable and uh it seems to me you should have had the police out there and handling it better and more, but uh, I don't know. By the way, none of that matters. That is, it doesn't excuse <clears throat> or somehow um, uh, make understandable the people who are rioting. You, you, you don't riot. You don't trash things. You don't uh, uh, go into the House chambers. I mean, I don't need a sign that says no trespassing. You know, you don't go into the chambers of the House of Representatives and sit in Nancy Pelosi's chair. Uh, these The people who rioted shouldn't have been there, and they should be punished. Now, I, I don't want to get into, because I'm not an expert on it, the extent of the charge or the punishment. I know a lot of people have said this is kind of crazy and excessive, what's going on, but that's not for me to say. Um, uh, the the point is, don't be there, don't commit crimes, then you don't have to worry about what punishment you're going to get. But I think they knew that it was going to get bad, and if there had been 20,000 National Guard there like there was supposed to have been, possibly this wouldn't have turned out as bad. Well, I think that's entirely reasonable, and 
Mm. Why weren't there? Why didn't uh, <clears throat> the police want them? And, you know, there's all this conspiracy theory that they didn't yeah. want it to be stopped. I have no idea. I, yeah. I, I express yeah. no opinion about that. Uh, I just think a lot of people didn't handle it well. Uh, I, yeah. I, you don't have to be a, conspirator, a conspiracy theorist to say uh, a lot of people just didn't do their job well. They didn't use good judgment, uh, and uh, none of this should happen. Yeah, you had a different situation. It was a natural disaster, but Hurricane Katrina, you had the same thing where the mayor of the city, I think it was the mayor, right, yeah. you know, or the governor, whatever, they, they said, well, we don't, we don't think we need the National Guard. And so they didn't accept it, and so the president legally couldn't send them there, and then people were drowning, and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody our got blamed. But. Our, our government should have known. Yes. They yep. should have known mm-hmm. that the National Guard was going to be needed. They yep. did that's, nothing. That's entirely reasonable to think. Yep. Okay. Okay, Marcia. Hey, appreciate your thoughts. Need to get a break in 948 here at DWS on a penny for your thoughts on this Tuesday. Back with the judge in a moment. Back on a penny for your thoughts. Justice Robert Steigman with us periodically here on Penny for Your Thoughts. We appreciate his time today, both hours, with us till 11. By the way, Nancy Pelosi has arrived in Taiwan. So the plane was not shot out of the sky or run anywhere else. It's on the ground in, it looks like Taipei, I guess. So the Speaker of the House is in Taiwan. Looking at her right now. She's about to get off the plane. All right, 217-356-9397. Text line at 217-3515357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. All right, let's see here. Some other questions for the judge. Uh, can he discuss the ruling about the COVID testing with the Board of Education of the City of Chicago and members of the Teachers Union? Shouldn't this apply to all district with regards to how the testing is implemented? Shouldn't we be paid to test? I'm not sufficiently familiar to okay. comment on it. Okay. I know the University of Illinois is saying they're continuing uh, vaccination requirements, and uh, if you're not vaccinated, to be tested. I saw that in the Gazette the other day. Uh, totally different question. A judge mentioned he sits in the east balcony at Memorial Stadium. I sit there, too, and I'm sure the judge shares my frustration that the Illini marching band plays every halftime song and most of the pregame songs to the West Balcony, making it nearly impossible to hear any band music. Please, uh, the judge, can what can he do about about this? I know he'll agree wholeheartedly. Does Brian or other folks at DWS, with their many connections to Illini football, have any idea who we can talk to to ask about the marching band just turning around for a few of their songs? Well, he's right. <clears throat> and uh, I, I not in the East Main Stand, but... <clears throat> Over 62 years sitting in the East Stands for football, I will mention that this is a relatively new phenomenon the last uh, five or ten years. Mm. And they used to play more towards the East Stand. I wish they would turn around more and play uh, for the East and not face face the West. I suspect it's because of uh, TV uh, which they're doing a lot of, uh, yeah. you know. That's no, TV they, doesn't show much halftime. Well, anymore. that's that's the other thing. I, you know, this would be a good question to ask Barry Hauser's a very mm-hmm. fine guy and a sharp guy, uh, to see if they could do more of that because um, I do miss it. Uh, I the band is wonderful. It's I like to say about college football, you got your money's worth before the kickoff with all the <laughs> band and everything going the on. Pageantry, yeah. <clears throat> yes. Well, uh tell you what, listener, if you want, remind me of this question when we get to the Illini Fridays and when Barry's in here, we'll ask him that. 
about that? He, w- he would know Good. the answer to that. Uh, the problem with the judge's view of history is that it's incorrect. In 1948, the Democratic Party adopted civil rights to its official platform. Some Democrats spun off to form the Dixiecrats. But, well, um, let, let me pause right there yeah. and say again. All of the Jim Crow senators, all of, all of the people who pushed and defended segregation uh, were all Democrats. They were all um, people like Al Gore's father, father yeah. and uh, Fulbright and all these other famous uh, names. Uh, they were all segregationists. And, uh, you know, it was Brown versus Board of Education in 1954 that changed that. And but uh, <clears throat> that was there were several senators, Democrat senators from the north who disagreed with this. But the solid South were all Democrat, racist, segregationist senators. George Wallace was part of that group. Orville Forbes, all of these folks, they were all Democrats. Somehow this is all escapes that uh, uh, this, you know. And and by the way, the Ku Klux Klan, particularly in the twenties and thirties, was essentially the brown shirt equivalent, uh, like for the Nazis, the brown shirt equivalent of the Democrat Party. They were all these Southern uh, folks, and they were all these strong Democrats because that was the party that wanted to keep segregation going and keep blacks as a second-class group. And the last time I was here, I mentioned one of our worst presidents, Woodrow Wilson, who resegregated the Army after being elected as a Democrat and uh, the former Princeton uh, uh, president. Uh, He was a terrible racist. Yeah, the uh, Dixocrat, you know who the presidential candidate was. Oh, yeah, Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> Which is interesting, in uh, 1948. But, yeah, they split off because it was adopted to the platform. But, obviously, the Civil Rights Bill didn't happen until the 60s. No, and, and, and all these people, yeah. Al Gore Sr. and Fulbright, I forget some of the Richards, I think was his name, the Georgia mm-hmm. senator, all these guys, they were hardcore racist segregationists to the end. Well, even uh, John Kennedy had to deal with Southern. De- it was sure. one of the reasons he went to Texas, where he got assassinated, yes. was to try to get support or show some love or attention to that part of the country, because he was having trouble with that wing of his own party. That's, I mean, that's if you that's, go back and read it, that's that, what had to be overcome. Yes, yeah, and eventually it was. All right, uh, nine fifty-six. Another quick break. Uh, let's we, we'll go right to a commercial here, Adam. Let's. Um, Skip that, and let's go to the break, and we'll come back and get ready for hour number two with a judge. Nine fifty-eight, headed for the top of the hour. More from CBS coming up at the very top of the hour, and Nancy Pelosi again arriving in Taiwan, despite threats from China. They were huffing and puffing here the last few days about that potential uh, trip, but she is there. So we'll follow that from CBS. More with a judge. And we've got a couple of other topics to throw in the mix. Keep your questions coming in. We'll get to uh, these as we go along as well here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. We've got the weather coming up here in about 15 seconds, and then we'll go to CBS News at the top of the hour. So Get ready for that on a penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 WDWS 93.9 FM Champaign-Urbana. Here's the weather and then CBS News coming up at the top of the hour. On a penny for your thoughts 
forecast today. Here it is. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. All right, hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. Good to have you with us here on this very overcast, almost like it's nightfall here. Just, again, I'm kind of amazed by it. Usually you got bright sunshine or overcast, and it's like it's uh, 7 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night right now. So, um, anyway, don't know if you're getting any rain where you are, but uh, we are here, 1008, Justice Robert Steigman, our guest for both hours, and we're going to uh, take your comments and thoughts along the way for the judge as we go along, 217-356-9397. Text line, always available at 217-351-5357, and you can email us, talk at wdws.com. By the way, a lot of back and forth. Uh, some people claim this about the National Guard and other people. This happens in a lot of big events like this. Somebody says, oh, no, this happened, and then so-and-so, no, that didn't happen. Usually you have to dig a little bit. Uh, apparently, now, some reports say, and I've got an email here talking about that the president mentioned 10,000 National Guard troops in a meeting, but nobody, nothing was ever done. It was never, direct order was not given, so they may have been available. He claims that he told Pelosi they're available, and she rejected it, and there's this and that and the other. Whatever the case was, the stuff broke down. Right. It was nobody there, and they stormed the Capitol, and they shouldn't have. And we're dealing with the fallout from it. But uh, certainly, you know, people say, well, he, he mused about it. They didn't think it was a direct order. He was just thinking out loud about it. So well, it's, who knows? We I, weren't in the room. Uh, I and, think, uh, um, you know, they're, they're, what you just said is true and accurate, and it's a question of uh, why did all this come about. And often it, it the explanation is simply that lots of different people didn't properly either understand or carry out their job appropriately. And uh, I don't think you have to look for conspiracies. That's just might be how things often are. Well, and what happens, too, in big cases like this, whether it's Katrina or this or whatever, then you have people trying to cover their sure. cover their backsides. Right. Well, I told them that, you know, they shouldn't do that or whatever. And so you get a lot of that. So. Right. Okay, uh, July 4th, we just passed recently, <clears throat> and you want to talk about celebration yes. of the 4th by some people. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how some political segments of society celebrated the 4th of July. And uh, let me just give you three examples that I've come across from Orlando, Tucson, and Denver, widely okay. disparate areas. Right. The city of Orlando <clears throat> issued a statement the Saturday before July 4th. Uh, after sending out a promotion for the city's fireworks display, which claimed that people probably don't want to celebrate because America is full of hate and adding that we can't blame them. So this is an official statement from the city of Orlando. And uh, I won't mention the party affiliation of the city's mayor, but I'll let the listeners try to guess. <clears throat> then the... Uh, 
Denver DSA, which is DSA stands for Democrat Socialists of America, which is the group that AOC is part of and many others. <clears throat> uh, they uh, had a big ad. I have a picture of it here. Entitled July 4th Flag Burning, 7 p.m. at Cheeseman Park Pavilion in Denver. And there's a picture of a American flag burning. And it says this, a country built on genocide and slavery does not deserve to be celebrated Join Denver DSA for flag burning to grieve, heal, and be in community. There it is, Brian. I mean, mm. it's okay. kind of shocking stuff. And then yeah. the last <clears throat> is from Pima County, Arizona, which is Tucson. And this is um, a tweet from <coughs> the Democratic Pima County Democrat Party. And it says... Um, the uh, Tucson Women's March, let's mourn with, and then it's F the 4th is their mm. heading. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> bring comfortable shoes, water, lawn chairs, uh, posters, and your anger. So that's how the Democrats in uh, <clears throat> Tucson want to celebrate the 4th of July. And, of course, <clears throat> what's interesting about all this and a point made by uh, Rui Teixeira, who is a uh, longtime Democrat strategist, has written multiple books, and has been an advisor to Democrat candidates. <clears throat> he writes this, The Democrat Party has a problem with patriotism, uh, Teixeira explains, because Democrats don't seem to have enough of it. Teixeira quotes one liberal commentator who noted that a remarkable and pervasive vilification of America has become just not not excuse me, it's become not just widespread, but de rigueur among progressives. The negative view of America exceeds those of the countrymen, not just white Americans, but non-whites as well. Teixeira writes that just 34% of progressive activists say they are proud to be an American compared to 62% of Asians, 70% of blacks, and 76% of Hispanics. He deems this a big, big problem. And let me just add this. <clears throat> America is the best, fairest, most inclusive, most prosperous nation ever in the history of the world. And these people who are tearing it down are uh, just wrong. Uh, they're ignorant. They're two-faced. They are uh, attacking this country for things that are just terrible. <clears throat> and uh, somehow... If this were all true, you'd expect the uh, faculty lounge folks to be on the border down there in Texas saying, don't come. This is such a terrible place. Don't you understand it's filled with racists? Don't you understand there will be no opportunities for you and your kids? But it's a lie, and everyone knows it's a lie. And the ignorant folks from throughout the world who have always looked at this place as a beacon of hope and prosperity and fairness know it's a lie. But somehow these folks, uh, the Democratic Socialists of America and the others who are saying, don't come, this is a hate-filled nation, uh, they continue with this, <clears throat> and they ought to be held accountable for it. People should reject them and reject their views. Well, no matter your uh, political thoughts or you go back in history or look, people speak <clears throat> with their feet, right? Of course. I mean, people are trying to get in here. It reminds yeah. me of, remember we had the uh, Iron Curtain in the Berlin Wall. Mm -hmm. 
And the East Germans said, we put this up to protect the East Germans from the bad influences of the West. But somehow that's not how people were going. <clears throat> it goes back, Brian. They were facing the other way. To right? my, my wonderful line, <laughs> all you need to ever know about a country is go to the border and look to see where the soldiers with the guns are facing. If they're facing in, that's a bad sign. That's to keep people from fleeing. If they're facing out, no problem. That's to keep excess people from coming in. You know, we. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me one of my best lines back in the mid '80s, when people, so many uh, liberals, were talking about Russia or the Soviet Union, and we could learn a lot from them. And you know, uh, they're very similar to us. And I'd pause, and I'd wait, and I say, you know, you have a good point. How do they handle the problem of illegal immigration in the Soviet Union? And I'd pause. And suddenly it would dawn on these liberals, somehow there's no problem of illegal immigration in the Soviet Union or Cuba or these other places which are supposedly so wonderful and less uh, oppressive than somehow the United States. People vote with their feet. Yep, like people moving to Florida Yep, or Texas or wherever. Ten sixteen. back in a moment here on Penny for Your Thoughts. On a penny for your thoughts. Bruce by Roger, 46 years of experience for uh, Roger Ochiltree himself, 35-plus for his company. Roofs by Roger. They can do some financing for you if you need that done. They're a master elite installer. Just uh, very few folks get that uh, designation. Roofs by Roger, Roofs by Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R.com. Check out their Facebook page as well. And you can also go to uh, the website, uh, Facebook, and the YouTube channel, and learn about uh, gutters and gutter guards and all of that. They can do all of that for you. Roofs by Roger. Give them a call at 217-834-3800. Residential and commercial. They work with the insurance companies and all the claims so you don't have to. Free estimates always available. All right, I got an article here I know the judge will like. Let me get Scott in here at 1019. Hi, Scott. Uh, Good morning, you guys. Good morning. Hey, I need a little enlightening about uh, some of our history, and I think the judge would be a good uh, gentleman to do that. Uh, Bringing up the stuff about how this country is based on hate and and slavery and all that stuff. Wasn't uh, there only 13 states that had slavery in it at the time of the Civil War going on? I think so, but I'm not sure. I know that there were... Um, I'm pretty sure that's true. At the time of the Revolutionary War, there were slaves uh, in New England. And um, I think over the course of the next uh, 50 years before the Civil War, uh, I think that was uh, gradually eliminated. I'm, I, but I don't know the precise sequence. Okay. Uh, with that being said, uh, where does... Where does history come up saying this state, this country is a a, a, a hateful country because uh, all those states started eliminating slavery, and during the Civil War, all the all those uh, Caucasians that fought in the Civil War to free the slaves to end slavery, uh, you know, the majority of them were white. Well, and here's how do the you thing. Uh, let me just emphasize this. Um, we are flawed. Uh, this this country yeah. has uh, uh, 
problems in our history, serious difficulties. Slavery is certainly one of them. Like but it, it's, it's like human beings. We, all of us, each one of us is flawed. None of us is perfect. Uh, <clears throat> the old notion, the perfect is the enemy of the good, applies. Uh, I acknowledge the flaws. I acknowledge all the failings that we've had. I acknowledge that we had slavery. I acknowledge that we've had uh, racism, that uh, we had uh, uh, Jim Crow laws and, and all the rest of that. that that's all true. Uh, but no country has ever done what we've done to deal with our and to overcome this past. Uh, we we are. <clears throat> my assertion is we are less racist as a nation than any other nation in the world. Uh, we uh, uh, we are more uh, embracing of our history, bad <clears throat> and good, and uh, resolving to. Uh, not do that anymore, and uh, the promises of uh, treating people equally, notwithstanding uh, who they are. That's why my father came to this country as an immigrant in 1923 as an 18-year-old. The promise of this country, the essential promise of Americanism, which is uh, now under attack by wokester leftists, is that you will come here and be judged based upon who you are, that is, your individual virtues or lack thereof, how hard you work, your intelligence, your industry, your reliance, as opposed to what you are, some Jewish refugee from war-torn World War I, some kid can hardly speak the language. It's that same promise, by the way, which all of these refugees from throughout the world, these illegal immigrants and legal immigrants both, understand this country holds that is the reason they come here. Why aren't they coming to China? Why aren't they coming uh, elsewhere? Well, many of them now trying to come to Western Europe because they've adopted uh, some of our same um, <clears throat> uh, ideas and trying to treat people equally. But uh, they are, have far less freedom than we do. All of the world, including Western Europe, as I'll explain when I get to a little bit later, uh, they lack the First Amendment, our freedom of speech, which, of course, the leftists are attacking as well. But the point is, um, if you can look at our history and say, it's awful. Uh, and it you can say part, parts of our history were awful. We've overcome it better than anyone else. And, and by the way, <clears throat> this country and Great Britain were the two leading nations to fight slavery the first two really in the whole world. And uh, yes. we still have slavery, by the way, uh, in many parts of the world and areas of Africa. And, you know, the Marine Corps hymn talks about from uh, the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. What was that all about? Well, that was in the early 1800 where the Barbary pirates who were Muslim Arabs were attacking American ships and other ships and imprisoning and making slaves out of the sailors and other people they captured. That was one of our first wars, uh, and we beat them. And that was still part of the Marine Corps hymn. So if if people wish to dwell on our failings, let them. I reject it. Okay. That's All right. Excellent. Uh, then why do our so-called politicians... Why are they still, well, in California especially, why are they pushing this reparation uh, bill so severely, so badly, when only 
13 of the states had slavery in it, why would all 52 states be penalized by having to pay reparations? And, you know, some states never had slavery. Yeah, all 50 why? states, why yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you why view would... this country as hateful and founded on hate and slavery and all the rest of that stuff, then that's where you're going to go. I, re- I yeah. reject that approach. Well, unfortunately... Well, here's the answer. If you disagree with politicians who say this, don't vote for them. Vote for people who understand that this is the best country in the world, not only today, but ever. I have voted against them. Well, keep trying it. Within this last election in this state, they changed the rules and they lie about the vote. Well, that's that's the truth. Okay. So how do you fight that? Yeah. Hey, Scott, and thank I've you. I've asked Brian this before. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, sir. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. 1026. All right. Here's an article. Victor Davis Hanson writes, and I, this was makes you think a little bit. Okay. Oh, yes. Have you read this? I think I have. Okay. He, I read all his stuff because he's so brilliant. Yeah, are the new progressive rules reciprocal, he asks. said, uh, if the... Um, in the era of peak woke, we're supposed to accept any radical departure from the long-held custom and tradition as the new normal. Perhaps, but if so, is the, new, is the improved new code of behavior at least reciprocal? Will the radical left really wish to live by its own novel normality when it loses power? Example, should conservatives mass at the home of Justice Sonia Sotomayor, decrying her radical abortionist ideology? Is that understandable? Would such intimidation in the future moderate her extremism? Is that now an acceptable strategy? Well, that was interesting. Sure. Should Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell now lead a throng of screaming right-wing protesters to the very doors of the Supreme Court? Should he egg them on by calling out by name Justice Jackson and Sotomayor, warning they'll have sown the wind and will soon reap the whirlwind, as Chuck Schumer did at one point? Uh, when the Republicans gain the presidency in Congress, should they pack the court to 15 justices on the queue of current progressive efforts? Uh, should the next president trash the rulings of liberal justices when abroad before his foreign hosts? Should the conservative world keep mum when a crazy right-winger shows up fully armed near the homes of left-wing Supreme Court justices? Should the left one day achieve a 5-4 to four majority? Would major conservative politicians then claim their rulings are illegitimate and seek to find ways to nullify them? Should a newly elected House Speaker Kevin McCarthy tear up on national television the next misleading and factually inaccurate State of the Union address by Joe Biden? Will the nation then voice support for his adherence to the Nancy Pelosi norm? <laughs> and I will there, will, that. Yeah, will there, going to see that right, in maybe a right. few months. Uh, should right-wingers designate 550 sanctuary jurisdictions in which overreaching federal environmental law simply does not fully apply? Are there cities and counties where federal gun registration would be de facto dropped on the principle of a higher allegiance to the Constitution? And he goes on and on, talks about the military and so forth. Will there be a return of the January 6th committee in which Speaker McCarthy appoints only those Democratic members who voted in 2023 to impeach Joe Biden and were political lame ducks? Will he announce that any members of the squad will not be serving on any congressional committees in 2023? Anyway, it's an interesting uh, Flipping everything on its head. Yep. Going and the other way. Would that be permitted? Here's, uh, you might recall, as I do, the cute TV show, uh, Sherman and his boy, uh, forget the... Mr. Peabody. Mr. Peabody. Yeah, the Wayback Machine. Yeah, the way, yeah, well, I was going to say, let's use the Wayback Machine to recall time when it wasn't okay to criticize judicial rulings. 
Uh, <clears throat> and, of course, we can remember that because when conservatives and Trump did it, it wasn't okay. Uh, for, as a, for instance, <clears throat> using the recent rulings by the Supreme Court in the West Virginia versus Environmental Protection Agency case and the Dobbs case, which overruled Roe, they were strongly criticized by AOC and other politicians from the left. Well, what about Trump's criticism going back a few years? This is how they were dealt with. A federal judge assailed President Donald Trump for his repeated attacks on various legal decisions and judges. U.S. District Judge Paul Friedman said Trump's personal attacks on judges are helping undermine faith in the rule of law itself. And from the American Bar Association, which has long since been, as far as I'm concerned, a far-left organization representing no American lawyers uh, across the board, this is what they said. Trump's attacks on courts undermine judicial independence. President Trump's attack upon judges and judicial decisions undermines the legitimacy of the courts. Derogatory treats, tweets and criticism from the executive branch must not be allowed to intimidate the judiciary. So here's the question. With regard to all of the criticism about these two cases, among other cases, by the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, did you miss, as that I did, Judge Feinbaum talking about how this criticism undermines faith in the rule of law or the ABA saying you can't be doing this because this is bad stuff and it makes the judiciary look bad? Somehow, you know, uh, like the Victor Davis Hanson article, the flip side never seems to work. If it's a decision uh, by a conservative majority of the Supreme Court, it's open season. You can attack it. It's wrong. It's illegitimate. That was the other thing, as you might recall, several of uh, the uh, senators used because, of course, Kavanaugh was illegitimate and goes back to yeah. the whole business. Uh, yet uh, when Trump did it, it was bad. Well, there was a quote uh, just speaking about the filibuster. Yes. Al Gore, years ago, said if the Republicans get control of all three branches and get rid of the filibuster— Oh, that's sure. that's a lust for power. Yes. But if you do it the other way, well, you know, we well, shouldn't have uh, a filibuster. And if the I Republicans... Mean, it depends on whose ox is being gored. I if think, the Republicans is, capture the Senate as well as the House, then you're going to see all of the same people now who are talking about how awful the filibuster is embrace it as a oh. key bulwark of democracy. Yeah. Well, they've done that before. Yes. I mean, it, it's just... Always. <laughs> It is interesting. All right, 1032, it's politics. That's the way it works. Here's CBS News. Back on a penny for your thoughts on this very uh, overcast. Maybe you're getting some rain, maybe you're not. I don't looks like it could rain, but it isn't yet. 1036, at least not here. Maybe some mist with Justice Robert Steigman. All right, I need to roll through a bunch of questions here real quick. Uh, let's see, where did I leave off? Uh, Brian asked the judge how to get the corruption out of the FBI and the Justice Department. After spending 50 years in justice, why aren't you and all the lawyers in the country putting a stop to it? <laughs> uh, hi, Brian. Always enjoy the judge and his opinion and wisdom. Two questions. Why does Illinois continue to the failed FOID program that is not effective and currently not run or maintained according to statute? And number two, why is the U of I able to ignore Pritzker's direction to end the um, vaccine and testing mandates? 
Well, I think his direction was we're not going to do it by the state, but mm. individual entities like the university can do what they think appropriate. Mm. All right, and I don't know about the FOID program. What, well, uh, I d- you know we, that's a matter of statute, uh, and I'm not uh, the st- the statute has been <clears throat> attacked, and the Illinois Supreme Court hasn't yet addressed it. But uh, whether it will be changed or not is up to the legislature. Ten thirty-seven. Thank you to the judge for correctly pointing out that gun control is historically rooted in racist intent, using that to discredit the gun control laws that exist today. I would only hope the judge would supply the same logic to zoning laws, cannabis laws and right-to-work laws. Uh, thank you. After 40 years on the bench, finally acknowledging that racially neutral laws can still have racially disp- disparate in- outcomes. Does that make sense? I think. Acknowledging that racially neutral laws can still have racially disparate outcomes. Hmm. Okay. Uh, if the January 6th riot is considered insurrection where Ashley Babbitt was killed, what is the label for the 1950s attack by Puerto Ricans where they actually opened fire? In the in Congress, well, yes, um, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, I thought he was involved in the ruling Matthew Allen versus Governor Pritzker testing in schools. Shouldn't the opinion be implemented to all in regards to the governor and I, schools? I'm not uh, familiar okay. with what that's about. Uh, the caller and the judge are correct. I'm a 52 year season ticket holder. The marching band at one time played at least a few numbers facing the East, but no longer. It'd be wonderful if they changed that. A uh, black friend of mine, another text, says a black friend of mine swears all the racist Dems joined the Republican Party. I asked him for an example. He gave George Wallace. Well, wrong. <laughs> George Wallace was a Democrat. Do you know of any Southern Dems that joined the Republican Party? Butch from Decatur asks. Well, the the biggest off the top of my head is Strom Thurmond. Yes. Uh, he, and that's exactly right. for many years. Now. I th- I'm sure there were some As a matter of fact, what's interesting is uh, uh, the South switched from absolutely uh, all democrat and uh when they were segregationists and racist and uh now they are primarily republican and uh people say well it's because of racism well it might be because of uh the policies that the national democrats are pursuing that uh, the folks down in the south don't like a lot of them voted for jimmy carter yes but then reagan got a lot <clears throat> correct you know most all the states when he ran Uh, Remember Harry Truman, the buck stops here. Trump doesn't seem to believe that in regards to January 6th. Um, On the one hand, the judge says there's no systemic racism, but he just gave a detailed history of the powerful men who were racist that became Democrats and have influenced policy and structure for many years. When has systemic racism ended, in his opinion? Well, let me pause right there to mention again. Systemic racism, like structural racism, is a term that everyone uses and no one seems to define. So what I want to do is uh, what system in systemic racism are you identifying as racist? For instance, I hear people at the University of Illinois plead guilty to the University of Illinois having been systemically racist. Well, okay, what, what does that mean? You know, one of the wonderful things about being on the appellate court is that we can demand and expect uh, precision of thought, statements, and analysis as opposed to these general phrases. Uh, if this is where an argument in front of me in my court <clears throat> or argument, I'd say, what define that term, counsel. What do, what do you mean? And if there are specific systems that are racist, why is the University of Illinois, why did they ever adopt those systems and why didn't they get rid of them years ago? 
My point being, I'm skeptical about these claims of systemic racism and structural racism. One of the few instances where I think we can say it is gun control. That was based upon racism and always has been. And uh, people have forgotten now the original source. A story just in from the uh, News Gazette. Savoy man jailed for alleged threats to Champaign mayor. Savoy man who police said sent threatening emails to Champaign mayor Deb Finan is now in the Champaign County jail on a Class X felony uh, charge. Uh, Michael Miller listed an address, Paddock Drive, uh, being held in lieu of $1 million bond after being charged Monday with making a terroristic threat. Champaign police report said detectives began investigating last week hundreds, if not thousands, of emails that Finan had received over many months, several of which were threatening in nature, but not directed at her personally. Uh, the charge for which he's being held alleged that on July 24th, he sent an email to Finan that contained information about an upcoming mass shooting that would occur at First and Green Streets in Campus Town. Uh, police reports said the emails made reference to, quote, the Jew of death and a handful of folk I would personally want to murder. Names on a murder list and extermination of your kind. They trace the IP address uh, originated to the home where Miller lives. So that's kind of a, a shocking story. Police learned that during 2020, Miller allegedly sent similar emails with his own name and street address to Urbana Mayor Diane Marlin from the same IP address. If convicted of the charge, he faces 6 to 30 years in prison. So. You well, hate to hear that. But. Yeah, you're, you're right. That's kind of a shocking story. Yeah. 1042. Uh, I got, man, we need a third hour, don't we, Judge? Uh, I'm telling I'm you. I'm telling yeah. you, man, we're just, we're, I'm running out of time here. <laughs> 1042, I better get this break in. Well, now it's raining. <laughs> it's coming down pretty hard here at our studios. Had a text say it was raining hard in Muhammad. 217-356-9397. I got lines jammed. I've got text out the... Uh, all the way to the bottom of the page here, and you've got a couple of things you want to throw in real quick, yes, and then we'll I, jump back. <clears throat> let me just do this, uh, because it's important to talk about media bias. I want to just give some examples of that, because often the public is not even aware of what's going on. I want to give some quick examples. For instance, uh, we just were talking about uh, the two consecutive quarters of contraction that uh, the economy underwent, and... Uh, Here's how the AP earlier this year, the Associated Press, described that Mexico's economy enters technical recession. This was uh, six months ago. They explained Mexico's economy entered a technical recession at the end of last year with two consecutive quarters of contraction. Yet, just a week ago, the same Associated Press said this, by one common definition— namely the economy shrieking for consecutive quarters, the U.S. economy is on the cusp of a recession. Mm -hmm. So one writer asks, uh, if you've ever doubted that the AP had become a government, mouth, a government mouthpiece, mouthpiece, do you still? And here's another example of how language evolves. <clears throat> Out of the past 10 times the U.S. economy has experienced two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth, like we just did, Going back to the 50s, by the way, how many times was this recession officially declared? Ten out of ten times. So, mm -hmm. Yet somehow the mainstream media doesn't seem to understand how echoing the administration's newspeak makes the public disbelieve and devalue what the mainstream media says. Another couple examples of this. <clears throat> the NPR uh, 
was developing a new dis- disinformation reporting team. It got criticized, and let me explain about this. Terrence Samuel, someone you might not be familiar with, not many listeners are, who's the NPR vice president and executive editor, announced in a note to the newsroom staff they were launching a disinformation reporting team on NPR. Who is Terrence Samuel? <clears throat> he was responsible for NPR's dismissal of the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020. In a statement, Samuel said that they didn't want to waste NPR readers' time on stories that were poor distraction. Here's the quote. We don't want to waste our time on stories that are not real stories, and we don't want to, wa- to, we don't want to waste the listeners' and readers' time on stories that are just poor distraction. So that's why, according to NPR, we didn't hear anything about Hunter's laptop, which, of course, we now know wasn't Russian disinformation. And the last two quick things about this <coughs> Chicago Tribune. Two headlines. Uh, drag events for kids targeted by far-right groups is one headline. Another headline is Indiana GOP lawmakers hold off most hard-right primary challengers. The point I'm making about this is the Tribune uses, and mainstream media uses all the time, hard right, which is, again, media bias. The, the listeners should ask themselves, when, if ever, have they heard the mainstream media use the term hard left? And in fact, you know, I look for it. I don't see it ever. And uh, this is part of the whole media bias. As a matter of fact, they don't use hard left for Angela Davis, who's an avowed communist, who comes to this campus and other places and calls for the destruction of America. She's not hard left, but, uh, you know, I'm wondering what would hard right be then? 1050 at DWS. All right, uh, let's go to JR. Hi, JR. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Judge. Good morning. morning. Judge, I have a question for you. Forgive me if you've already covered this. I, I tuned in during the second hour. But could you take a moment to inform the public about the changes the legislature made in 2021 in the districts, the appellate districts in Illinois, specifically the 5th District, uh, adding 10 counties to that district. And secondly, how will that affect you? Will you have to uh, run for retention in the new 5th District, or will you be sitting in Mount Vernon rather than Springfield? We talked about that briefly. The quick answers are I won't be uh, moving to sitting in Mount Vernon. I'm going to stay part of the uh, 4th District Appellate Court, even though I currently now reside in Champaign County, which is part of the 5th District. The 4th District has 41 counties now. The 5th District has 48. So we have 87 counties in those two districts of the 102 counties of the whole state of Illinois. And uh, it's creating some administrative difficulties. Uh, It won't affect me personally, but uh, and Two years from now, I would intend to run for retention in the 4th District, and uh, the law will permit me to run either the new 4th District or the old one, and we'll just see what happens. So thank you. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, J.R. Let's see here. After listening to all the conversations the last two years, I finally ascertained we need two presidents, one like we have now to handle all the giveaways of money, munitions, and equipment, and all the other heady things that Mr. Biden has done. We need a Donald Trump to protect us from the bad people in this world, which people do not understand. Uh, Maybe those that hate our country, referring to what the judge read about July 4th, maybe those that hate our country don't want to celebrate our independence with us. Maybe they should go to work and not get paid holiday leave. Uh, Griner, basketball player, women's basketball player, was a perfect example. She hated this country until she was arrested 
and then beg to come back. Maybe we aren't as bad as they portray. Let, let me, on that, just that point, by the way, <clears throat> something that so many people, particularly these leftist wokester people who criticize the criminal justice system, constantly miss. Along with being the best, fairest, most inclusive, most prosperous nation that ever exists, our criminal justice system, which I'm very familiar with after a half a century of being involved in various capacities, is flawed too. As I said, just like everyone is flawed, all people are flawed and systems are flawed, but it's the best in the world. And people who are concerned about our flaws, uh, if they had a loved one or anyone else who was arrested and charged with any offense from drunk driving to theft to a serious crime, mm-hmm. where would they rather be held? Where would they rather be tried? And, you know, experiences like uh, Griner's point out that uh, we may not be perfect, but we're the best and we're more fair. And this is by far a better place to be with the presumption of innocence and the burden of proof and the right to a jury trial and all the other rights. Presumption of innocence. uh, To protect people that don't exist in other places. All right, a quick break and back. Final segment with the judge here in a moment. Back on a penny for your thoughts. Be nice to see the sun again. We are getting some rain, though, and that's much needed. 10.56. Got a couple minutes to go here. Ryan Dallas Real Estate, number one in real estate. Selling and uh, buying homes. Five-star experience. A lot of great comments. They give you the ultimate solution for selling your home on your timeline. Ryan Dallas Real Estate, the proof is in the results. Approaching now 500 families already served this year. Number one, real estate. They've been voted multiple times. People's Choice Award winners in real estate. RyanDallasRE.com is the website. All right, you got a First Amendment? uh, Yeah, well, I have something about uh, freedom of speech. Freedom of speech, yeah. Uh, The New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, uh, I I saw what she said when she was holding a press conference. It was about uh, uh, various COVID stuff just recently. And this is what she said. We will continue to be your single source of truth. Unless you hear it from us, it is not the truth, said the PM of New Zealand. Now, it, it got me wondering, Joseph Goebbels would be proud. And I was wondering if even the Nazi propaganda director ever used rhetoric that blunt. If you don't hear it from us, it's not the truth. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's 110 uh, years ago that Milton Friedman was born. He was a wonderful economist. And a couple of quick uh, lines from him <clears throat> that we need to pay more attention to. He said, a society that puts equality before freedom will get neither. And a society that puts freedom before equality will get a high degree of both. And a couple of other of his thoughts. The most important single central fact about a free market is that no exchange takes place unless both parties benefit. Nobody spends somebody else's money as carefully as he spends his own. Nobody uses somebody else's resources as carefully as he uses his own. So if you want efficiency and effectiveness, if you want knowledge to be properly utilized, you have to do it through the means of private property. Hmm. A brilliant guy, and we need more of his wisdom now. All right, real quick, a uh, f- listener says, I had to step out of the car, unfortunately, couldn't uh, call in. While I understand your guest's belief about America being better 
than most of the world. I would hope he would acknowledge that those changes would not have occurred organically. It took years of sacrifice, death, sweat, and tears by those who challenged the status quo like slavery and sexism and racism and so forth, uh, homophobia, people that today we are decisively or derisively calling woke. Well, it no. It's taken time. No, no. The, the, the wokesters are tearing down this country. They're, they uh, dislike it. They hate it, as I was quoting these things. Uh, let's get together and burn the American flag. Just start over. The, yeah. But uh, she, the, the point is exactly correct. As I said, we're flawed, just like everyone is flawed. But we have done more and better to overcome our flaws than any other country in the world, which makes us the best, fairest, most inclusive, and best place to live ever in the history of the world. To form a more perfect union. You got it. Is what they wrote. Thank you, sir. We're out of time. It's been great as always. Thank you, Brian. Maybe you ought to do a podcast or something. (laughs) I don't know. we got more stuff. But thank you for all the text emails and the input from the judge. Adam Austin, our producer today. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, back tomorrow, and hopefully some more rain.